Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 66. I'm going to talk a bit about um, melding of, quote, um, you know, Quakers, um, English, and, and German, quote, Pennsylvania Dutch, who came here in the, um, you know, the early 18th century to America, um, and, and how they literally dovetailed, whether it be with fabric or furniture, or horology. So, um, you know, these broken, broken German type speaking people and uh, the, uh, the English speaking people um, that we term Quakers and how the art was influenced and how it manifested itself. So, so the early settlers of Penn's colony were largely English and Welsh Quakers until the early 1700s followed by small numbers of Anglicans and Irish Quakers, and soon after by many Scot-Irish Presbyterians, a furniture form typically associated with Quakers in Chester County is the wainscot chair, defined by the use of mortise and tenon joints to create a framework for the back panel. The wainscot armchair, made for the immigrant Irish Quaker Joseph Pennock, of West Marlborough Township is a particularly impressive example with its two shaped arms robustly turned <coughs> excuse me front stretcher and two panels instead of the more typical single panel forming the back Pennock married Mary Levis in 1705 and in 1738 they built a brick mansion that was one of the most substantial in the area at the time, later named Primitive Hall. It is now maintained by a private foundation. Joseph eventually became one of the largest landowners in Chester County, as well as a member of the Pennsylvania Assembly long-serving Justice of the Peace. The armchair descended directly in the family until recently and donated to Primitive Hall. The wainscot chair that is inlaid on the crest rail with the date 1739-40 with the names of the owners, Thomas and Elizabeth Wilson, reveals that this form was not owned by just Quakers. The Wilsons lived in West Fallowfield Township, Chester County, and were most likely Presbyterians at the time. Thomas's parents were Irish immigrants and the co-executor of his will was a Presbyterian minister. His estate inventory included a true history of the Church of Scotland, along with numerous chairs. While the Quakers, also known as the Religious Society of Friends, believed in a humble and plain lifestyle, this did not mean that their furniture was without ornament. Recent research shows that the chest, um, a blanket chest, was made for English immigrant it was made for the English immigrant Quakers, John Townsend and Joanna England, who were married on December 31st, 1741, in East Nottingham, meeting in southern Chester County. The unusual inlays includes their initials and marriage date, flanked by rearing horses and undulating lines that terminate in grape-like clusters of berries. 
The top of the chest features a central female figure surmounted by more line and berry designs, with the sun and moon in the upper corners and animals at the bottom. An engraved profile portrait of an elder John Townsend is believed to be the same man who owned the chest. He died in 1803, and the inventory of his estate included an old chest, valued at $1. Two early dated examples of southeastern Pennsylvania furniture are a dressing table with a date of 1724 and the initials EM inlaid into its top, and a massive drop-leaf table inlaid with the initials of James and Elizabeth Maris Bartram of Marple Township, Chester, and now Delaware County, and the date of 1725, the year of their marriage. The drop-leaf table descended through the Bartram family until it was sold at auction in 2003. But the provenance of the dressing table did not appear to have a Bartram connection at all. Yet the distinctive folio inlay on both pieces, as well as the manner in which the date and initials were done, are related, leading us to more closely examine the dressing table's history. Genealogically speaking, the research revealed that, in fact, it had belonged to Elizabeth Maris Bartram, James, and Elizabeth Bartram, who died in 1771. Their only child, Mary, preceded them, so their possessions were left to three granddaughters. The drop-leaf table described in Elizabeth's will was one of large walnut oval standing in the house or common hall, was bequeathed to her eldest granddaughter, also Elizabeth, along with a clock, walnut clothes press, bedstead, and bedding alike, high chest of drawers, and two large silver spoons. The youngest granddaughter, Sarah, received one dressing table, the one made for Elizabeth, along with a dressing box, a case of drawers in a parlor, and a new case of drawers spoke, spoken for but not yet made. It is possible that James Bartram, who was the younger brother of the noted naturalist John Bartram, made both tables, for he was identified in 1726 as a joiner, and joiner tools are listed in his estate inventory. The discovery of the tables, shared provenance, identifies them to some of the earliest documented Philadelphia furniture made outside of Philadelphia. The German-speaking people who made up the large segment of southeastern Pennsylvania's population hailed from very diverse European origins and religious backgrounds. Most came from the Palatinate region or southwestern uh, Germanic area. The vast majority, approximately 90%, were Lutheran or Reformed, while the remaining 10% were from several sectarian groups, including the Mennonites, Amish, Schwankfelders, and the Moravians. Many Germans settled in Lancaster County, where nearly three-quarters of the population was German-speaking at the time of the first United States Census in 1790. Lancaster, the county seat, was settled in about 1730, 60 miles west of Philadelphia. It was the largest inland city in North America at the time of the Revolution. Hard to believe today. Pennsylvania German cabinet makers utilized many decorative techniques, 
and one of the most unusual was sulfur inlay, usually seen on walnut furniture. Relatively easy to execute, the sulfur was melted and poured into incised designs after it had cooled to the consistency of wax. The excess was removed. Result, the resulting effect was of a fairly strong yellow against a dark wood, though over time the yellow fades to a creamy off-white. Furniture with inlaid sulfur decoration appears to have had its earliest roots in Lancaster County, although it spread to other counties in the region as well as the Shenandoah Valley. To date, no European precedents are known to compare to. One of the earliest known dated examples is a monumental tall case clock made in 1765 for Peter Fair, who was born in central Lancaster County's Pequoia Valley. His great-grandmother, Marie Frere, one of those first settlers in the region, was a French Huguenot. The clock is boldly inlaid with Frere's name and a date, an obvious statement of ownership, wealth, and status. Although the maker of the case is unknown, the eight-day uh, bell strike movement with moon phase dial is by the Moravian Rudolf Stoner, one of the earliest clockmakers in Lancaster listed. Because clocks were expensive, they were among, among the objects most frequently passed from generation to generation. Every generation wanted to handle the clocks of the generation before, and thus have a family provenance developing. When Fair died in 1795, the most valuable item in his inventory was one eight-day tall case clock and case appraised at eight pounds, and this was worth more than his house was. Another style of ornament associated with Lancaster County's Germanic-speaking craftsmen is carving, carving done from the solid piece of wood of furniture rather than executed separately and applied. One of the most ambitious statements of such carving is a cherry desk and bookcase made for Michael Withers, a wealthy iron forge owner and gunsmith in Stroudsburg. From the symmetrical foliage on the pediment to the extravagance of the five shells in the interior of the carving on the pendant drop and the OG bracket feet, this desk represents the best of Lancaster workmanship. Distinctive local carving styles developed in small urban centers as well, including the town of Mannheim in northern Lancaster County, where an unknown craftsman made this <coughs> a very small chest of drawers with relief carved fronts and ends. The slender flowing tendrils and exquisite shells represent the distinctive school of carved ornament. The chest has a tradition of <coughs> descent from the Eminger family of Mannheim, and although the original owner is not certain, Samuel Eminger Sr. is a likely candidate. A prominent resident, he opened an apothecary business in Mannheim in 1803, which his son Samuel Jr. ran later. Recently linked to this chest are portraits of Samuel Jr. and his wife Elizabeth, painted by the itinerant German immigrant artist Jacob Mandel in 1831. Rendered with exceptional clarity and detail, the portraits provide an intimate glimpse into the lives of this prominent Pennsylvania German family. Samuel stands at his writing desk with ledgers lined with shelves of the bookcase, while Elizabeth is seated outdoors in a Windsor chair, a child 
but on her knees. The painted ornament, favored by German-speaking people, can be seen illustrated by three brilliant painted objects. The first is a small slide-lid box made for Ezra Wegner of Worcestershire Township, Montgomery County, whose family were members of the Swankfelder Church, a small German-speaking sect from the Duchy of Sicily, largely in modern-day Poland, most of its immigrants came from. Persecuted for their failure to participate in the state-run church, many Schwankfelders immigrated to America in 1734, including Ezra's great-grandmother, Susanna Wegner. According to the family tradition, the box was made for Ezra as a gift by his maternal grandfather. The noted Frochter artist, David Kreibel, it is possible that Kreibel was involved in designing or creating the box, for its painted decoration speaks to the Frochter tradition of polychromatic decoration on paper. Painted floor ornament with intricately detailed motifs covers the front ends of the chest made in 1791 for Christina Binder, whose family lived in New Hanover Township, Montgomery County, and belonged to the New Hanover or Flankwamper Swamp Reformed Church. The interior contains a hidden surprise, lifting the side of the till compartments exposes a row of three secret drawers with blue sponge decoration and vertical dividers painted in bright red. A closely related chest made for Christina's sister, Elizabeth, in 1788 is in a private collection today. The development of chrome-based pigments, including greens and yellows, in the early 1800s expanded the tradition of artist palette. In the Manhattio Valley in North Cumberland County, these vibrant colors were used on a variety of furniture forms, including a slant front desk inscribed with the date of 1834 and the name of Jacob Master, a farmer and a carpenter. Master is thought to have made the desk for his own use. In 1834, he married Katrina Christ, with whom he had 14 children in 16 years. The desk passed down to their son Felix and then to the sons Charles, who loaned it to the Philadelphia Sequicentennial International Exposition in 1926. In December of that year, the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania dealer, A.H. Rice, advertised it and 10 related pieces in a two-page spread in the magazine Antiques for $7,300. The desk was purchased by the Connecticut collector Gail H. Carter, who sold it in 1946 to Henry Francis DuPont for $1,000. It features a stunning combination of blue and green grounds with black, red, and yellow decoration typical of Montego furniture. Most of the designs were likely made with templates or stencils, and the small rosettes were stamped, probably with a piece of cork. Joseph and Mary Pennock, James and Elizabeth Bartram, William Withers, and Jacob Mazur, all early residents of southeastern Pennsylvania, had relatively little in common, but the furniture they owned, although quite different in appearance, all embodies distinctive local expressions of form, ornamentation, and construction. These localisms were influenced by such factors as ethnicity, 
religious affiliation, personal taste, socioeconomic status, and the skill of the craftsman. Well-documented furniture is key to understanding a region's past, diversity, and provides a starting point for expanding and exploring it. So it's my hope that furniture scholars will build on this type of information, continuing the task of identifying and sorting out the nearly endless variety of people and furniture that represent the historic landscape of southeastern Pennsylvania. Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist, signing.